Listen, I get it. You like saving in Bitcoin. But check this out. You can actually complement your HODL position by investing in Bitcoin startups. If you want additional upside and enjoy learning about angel investing, you should check out Lightning Ventures. Lightning Ventures is a great way to stack real equity in Bitcoin-only companies. They've invested in businesses you've heard about on this show, including Azteco, CrowdHealth, and Swan Bitcoin. And Lightning Ventures makes it easy to get started in the world of early stage investing. The minimum investment is only $1,000 per deal, and you only invest in the deals that make sense to you. So if you want to get a behind the scenes look at the startups you know and love, if you want a chance to support their growth, and if you want another opportunity to profit as the Bitcoin ecosystem develops, check out the 60 second application in the show notes to get started today in building a world that runs on better money. When you ask people, they people have very different opinions about Bitcoin, especially at this point in time. But regardless of what your opinion about Bitcoin is, if you understand Bitcoin's fungibility and the security protocols around how this collateral is being stored, we really do think that it is an improved source of collateral compared to other types of collateral used in private credit funds. Welcome to the Business Bitcoinization Show, the show dedicated to helping you enrich your life and grow your business with Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth. I'm your host, Josh Friedemann, and our guest today is John Ruth, who's the co-founder of Build Asset Management, an investment fund and investment management company dedicated to strategies that provide income and risk mitigation opportunities for an ever-changing world. Build's most recent fund launch is a private credit fund offered in partnership with Unchained that uses Bitcoin as collateral. So obviously, one of the things we're going to be talking about today is why Bitcoin is such great collateral. This may be something you feel like you understand already, but even so, I imagine you're going to pick up something new along the way. Also, this is something that's more implied in today's interview, but it got me thinking about how Bitcoin as collateral can be an educational tool to help other people begin appreciating Bitcoin more. For instance, someone may invest in this fund because they like the potential returns, but in the process, they might begin learning more about why Bitcoin is such a great asset. Of course, before we get to our interview with John, we do have this week's Bitcoin Meetup Spotlight, which is actually an event that John is helping to put on. And I also want to give a shout out to those who have been supporting the show on Fountain in this last week. Thank you in particular to Bowtide, Groundhog, and No Waste BTC Signs, who've been streaming sats to business Bitcoinization this week. If you would like to support the show, I encourage you to listen on Fountain and either stream some sats or send a boost if you have a particular message or comment that you want to leave about the show. One more quick note on Fountain. This last week, I got my dad set up with his podcast called Life Changing Discipleship. That's Life-Changing Discipleship. And I boosted him his first 5,000 sats. If Christian discipleship and ministry are something that interests you, you might want to check out that podcast as well. Now that leads us to this week's Bitcoin Meetup Spotlight. And this week, it's Bitcoin Expedition. 
Bitcoin Expedition is a one-day event in Missouri State Capitol, Jefferson City. Natalie Brunel, Marty Bent, and Parker Lewis will be sharing, along with former and upcoming podcast guests like Trey Sellers from Unchained and Becca and Rob from Anchor Watch. The event's being hosted by John Ruth and Matt Dines, founders of Build Asset Management. The morning sessions will tackle essential Bitcoin topics that newcomers and seasoned Bitcoiners will both enjoy, and the afternoon session will be focused on business strategies and low-time preference planning with a whole hog barbecue to close out the event. Get your tickets at bitcoin-expedition.com. That link is in the show notes below, along with the link to Oshi, which you can use to find a Bitcoin meetup near you. Now, we're going to get to our interview with John right after this. Business owners, unlock the benefits Bitcoin has to offer your business with the Bitcoin for Business Quick Start Guide. This 27-page guide highlights the six ways you can grow your business with Bitcoin. Check it out in the show notes. John, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Good to be here. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you a little bit better and give us some insight for our own lives. So you ready for these? Let's do it. When and how did you first learn about Bitcoin? Um, it was about 2012 when I was a financial advisor and I worked predominantly with business owners one of those business owners came into my office, which was rare. I usually met him at uh, his plant, his manufacturing plant, and he wanted to buy Bitcoin. He wanted to set up an account right then and there. He wanted to buy Bitcoin. I can't remember what price it was at. Um, you could look back at the charts and, and find it, I'm sure, the range. I had no idea what he was talking about. I certainly was not able to open an account and fund anything for him you know, right then and there. So he was frustrated. Um, he knew a little bit about it, but he, he really wanted in for the price action. Mm. You know, as I was asking again, something I'd never heard of before when I was asking questions about what is it, what does it do? You know, he couldn't answer any of those, but he was sure it was going to appreciate in price. Um, so I said, okay, I've got to call you back. So a call to our custodial department. Um, they have no idea what I'm talking about. A call to our compliance department. They had, you know, had a few other inquiries. But uh, their general advice was, don't talk about it. We don't know what that is. We certainly don't have a way of, you know, servicing that individual. Um, so I called them back with the bad news. And then I called Matt Dines, who I'm a partner with today at Build. You know, Matt, Matt knew about it. Matt encouraged me to look at it. Um, I wrote him off. And so it really wasn't until 2018 mm. when Matt and I got back together, uh, rekindled our friendship into this business partnership at Build, that Matt was continuing to encourage me to look at Bitcoin. And um, I was, you know, I was doing some research, but really slow to the take until about 2020. And that wasn't because uh, uh, I was at home doing nothing, you know, with COVID, like others who, you know, seem to rush into digital assets. Um, it was really because I just, I couldn't believe that we actually shut down the world economy and that we were turning the printers on, the money printers on at the same time at the rate that we were. And, you know, having done the research from 18 to 20, um, again, been spoon fed by Matt every time that, you know, he and I had an in-person interaction or a drink together, it, it just finally clicked for me. And I said, okay, if this is going to work, it's gonna work right now. And uh, there wouldn't be a better time, you know, to start really considering this, you know, for our own portfolio. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, we started doing some things to get the business involved, which we can get mm -hmm. to later. Question number two is this. What's an insight or fact about Bitcoin that you wish everyone understood? 
it's I'm going to talk about this at our upcoming conference and the opening remarks. When I went looking for Bitcoin, I went looking for an investment opportunity. When I really started to dig into it, I was surprised to come away with an aspect of freedom. That was a, that was a delight for me that I had not expected to find. And maybe that should have been inferred, you know, when I read the white paper for the first time, when I really started looking at this. But um, the individual sovereignty that can come with ownership and control of Bitcoin and really starting to zoom out and, and appreciate uh, the privileges that we've had, you know, being back to back World War II champs and the dollar dominance, starting to consider what would this be like if you were in a third world country or a first world country that had become a second world country, you know, due to poor allocation of resource decisions from governments. And I could really start to see where this would matter to the freedom and sovereignty of the individual. That was that was probably the biggest surprise and the biggest takeaway that I think people should have when they look at Bitcoin and start to ask the question, why might we need this you mm. know, in our society? What's yeah. broken? And all those things kind of spin back to you know, one's liberty. Mm -hmm. Question number three, what's the Bitcoin resource you most recommend to other people? Well, we, we've developed a really good partnership and friendship with the folks at Unchained Capital. Um, because of the due diligence we've performed on them, I would feel very comfortable sending friends or family to have a conversation with them. Uh, there's other folks in the space that we've met as well, you know, who I think are, uh, are reputable and, and good to visit with. But if you're just getting started, uh, they have, you know, certainly become, you know, my go-to for at least one of the resources they should reach out to and consider. Question number four is this, beyond Bitcoin, what is a resource, tool, or idea that's been helpful to you or your work at Build Asset Management recently? Well, I think it starts with principle of, of curiosity. When, you know, when, anytime you talk about someone uh, and their review of Bitcoin, it starts to sound like The Bachelor. Because uh, if you recall, if you've ever seen the show, it's always referred to as one's journey, you know, mm -hmm. their relationship. And, and so folks talk about the journey, the rabbit hole, having been or on their way to being orange-pilled. Uh, so I think it starts with curiosity. One question leads to another. The resources that... Uh, that I've most enjoyed are the podcasts that are out there, you know, at, um, opportunities like this one. Uh, there's many others. Oftentimes I'll start with a podcast, hear about some type of a, um, a material that I need to pick up and read. Um, just recently, and I think we're going to make this available to, you know, people we work with, Fidelity just updated, you know, their digital assets team just updated um, kind of their thesis on Bitcoin. Uh, I think it has a 2023 copyright on it. So you're starting to see more institutional pieces that you can complement with, you know, emerging Bitcoin financial service companies. So I think that's always nice when you say, here's something that you're familiar with, complement that with something you may not have heard of, but you should explore like an a piece from Unchained. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we've been authoring some pieces as well, especially, you know, where, where Bitcoin fits uh, in the credit system. Very cool. Now we have our final, what we call our arbitrary but insightful question, and it's this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Hmm. <laughs> that, you know, knowing that coming into the show, uh, it's, a good, it's a good question. I think they're both important. I'm going to be your scapegoat here on this one and say, this is kind of chicken or the egg, right? I think, mm. I think, uh, 
I think first principles would start with why, you know, just in terms of, I've, I've got three, three kids. We were talking about family, you know, ahead of the show. So I hear, I get the why question a lot. And I think that's important and something I certainly encourage my kids to ask, um, to be bold, to create change, you know, to go through that, um, that element of change. I think you have to ask why not. And um, sometimes that's the final step, you know, to achieve some necessary evolution, mm -hmm. right? If it, it's the, if it's to be, it's up to me type of mentality. And sometimes that requires, uh, you know, the why not question, but uh, certainly encourage all the little ones out there to ask why as much as they can. Meet Linkster, your premier Bitcoin-focused advisor. Linkster caters to businesses, institutions, family offices, and high net worth individuals. They merge your unique financial goals and needs with Linkster's Bitcoin expertise to craft your own sustainable plan to preserve and grow the value of your hard-earned profits and retained earnings. And Linkster is not just advice, it's tailored execution. Connect directly with the founder by visiting Linkster.com. That's L-Y-N-C-S-T-E-R. Com. Linkster, secure your future with Bitcoin. Today's episode of Business Bitcoinization is proudly brought to you by Vellus Commerce, where the future of business technology meets Bitcoin. As we journey through the era of Bitcoin and its transformational impact on businesses, there's one name that stands out. Vellus Commerce. Whether you're looking to build a cutting-edge website, a seamless mobile app, or custom software, Vellus is your go-to team. They've been diving deep into the world of Bitcoin since 2014, making them one of the most experienced groups for integrating Bitcoin and Lightning payments into a variety of digital platforms. But here's what truly sets them apart. Vellus Commerce doesn't just build. They bring a wealth of knowledge to ensure your project success from day one. Their team understands the nuances of Bitcoin, ensuring that your business stays ahead of the curve. And for all business Bitcoinization listeners out there, Vellus Commerce is offering a free consultation to kickstart your project the right way. So if you're ready to future-proof your business in the coming age of hyper-Bitcoinization, head over to VellusCommerce.com or reach out on Twitter at Vellus Commerce. Let's make sure your business thrives in the Bitcoin era. Well, John, we're here today to talk about a number of things, primarily build asset management and how Bitcoin is pristine collateral. Bitcoiners have heard that term. They've used that term, perhaps, but we're going to delve into that today, as well as how it should affect, how it should change how people think about credit and credit risk. Before we get into build and what you're doing there, though, we have Bitcoin Expedition coming up very soon. We've already promoted it on this show in today's episode, but could you give us a quick uh, overview of what the event is, kind of why you're organizing it? And also, I'm asking this selfishly, but can people who are not able to attend this year look forward to potentially attending in future years? Uh, it's a, a maybe to the last question. Okay. I'm, I'm excited about uh, registration. And, you know, right now it looks like we have about 150 um, guests expected. Uh, that's going to feel like a very full room in the venue that we've selected. I would differentiate this as um, very much an educational opportunity. Uh, we are going to ask why and why not. Um, you know, in the conference through a series of panels and conversations, it's not going to feel like uh, the party. You know, if you if you've gone to Miami Bitcoin, which mm -hmm. I've been to a few times, this is not a festival. Um, we are going to celebrate the opportunity to educate oneself, and I, I think for for Matt and I, both being from Jefferson City, you know, one of the things that's unique about its location it's at it's at the middle of America, so we're talking about the heartland. A lot of times, ideas. Uh, new ideas, especially in tech and innovation, seem to be 
coastal ideas that that come in eventually. Um, and I think in this setting, you know, this is an opportunity to bring a needed conversation through credible um, licensed financial individuals who are willing to talk about this. I think so often when I ask individuals or advisors, um, what is their stance on Bitcoin? What's their stance on digital assets? How are they engaging their customers and their community in that conversation? Uh, they give me the Fight Club answer. If you remember the Brad Pitt movie, you know, it's it's there, but we don't talk about mm -hmm. it. And that's kind of the marching orders they've gotten from their compliance team. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's malpractice, you know, from the financial services industry. Um, it's really easy to tell people, hey, we're, this is not a recommendation for you to go buy Bitcoin. You know, I would need to sit down with you or a financial professional would need to sit down with you in order to understand, right, your facts and circumstances before you can make any recommendation. But let's just, let's talk about this. Let's demystify it. What is it? Back to your why, why not question. Why do we need this? Why, why are we talking about something that's been around for 15 years, whose technology has worked flawlessly, um, where no government has forced anyone to use it? it it's grown by voluntary means you know, only. Um, are you curious at all as to why that's happening? And then, and then we're going to talk about you know, our thesis on why it's happening, where we think it's going. It's timely. Uh, the SEC just lost, you know, its appeal to to Grayscale and other folks who want to come into the the spot Bitcoin ETF market. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you're seeing more institutional adoption, you know, and thought leadership, not less, uh, like the Fidelity piece that I just mentioned. Um, each of the the large financial institutions who had you know, once wrote Bitcoin off as something that was going to die quickly uh, and, you know, was in the realm of, of scams, um, has totally reversed course. And they now have a business plan and a business model that involves Bitcoin, whether that's the ETF business or some type of custody relationship. So, again, it's just uh, get information from people who, you know, think deeply about the topic and uh, and hopefully you consider to be credible now, we'll tell you if we don't know, but we're going to try to present a lot of ideas from people who we think and we admire uh, as people who think deeply about this. You know, people I think are serious people um, and their their thoughts deserve to be heard. So we just put that out there to the region, you know, first starting with our community, uh, found support from our Chamber of Commerce who said, yeah, we think this is an important conversation for businesses and stakeholders to be a part of. Uh, then to our Economic Development Partnership uh, entity, same thing. They said, yeah, we think this is an important conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, a community bank or, and a regional bank now, um, an accounting firm, you know, each each of those entities said, yes, we have been asked questions about this. This is probably important for our clients to know more about. And then opening up, you know, the invitation more regionally. Uh, frankly, folks from anywhere are welcome to come. Uh, but we do think that this is a really nice hub, you know, as a Midwestern opportunity. And I heard from a few folks earlier this week, including our speakers, first time they're going to step foot in the show me state. And so, you know, I'm, when I think about the state motto, um, you know, I'm proud to show them both a good time, also a state that I'm proud to be uh, a citizen of. I think Missouri has some fantastic um, economic opportunities for those who are looking to uh, expand their business, including those who uh, have a business that's related somehow to Bitcoin. And uh, not only do I think hope they're going to have a good time and find a really receptive audience, I hope they find the Show Me State as a place that 
embraces freedom, opportunity, and uh, doesn't stifle you know new ideas. And I think that's what they'll be met with here in Missouri's capital city. If it's a great success and uh, we can replicate this in the future, then we'd love to do that. Well, it's encouraging to see. I mean, you're doing something in, in the capital of Missouri as someone who lives right outside the capital of Mississippi. This is good for me to see. For people listening to this podcast right now, uh, check out bitcoin-expedition.com. Use it uh, as encouragement for yourself if you have time to buy a ticket and show up in Missouri. Uh, for sure, do that as well. But John, if you would share with us a little bit about Build and what I think is your initial sort of offering that is Bitcoin related. Yeah, so, so Build Asset Management is a firm that Matt Dines and I started uh, in late 2018, really got going day one, January of 2019. Uh, we've been focused on developing investment fund solutions initially, uh, predominantly that focus on uh, goals that produce income and risk mitigation or income through risk mitigation. That's always the balancing act that every client, whether they see themselves as conservative, moderate, or aggressive, I think is striving for is what's the appropriate uh, risk return profile that I'm getting. And I always you know, like to ask the question, are you good or are you lucky mm. you know, from the standpoint of, can you reproduce those returns? Uh, do you know what's causing those returns? And I think you know, Matt and I got together uh, and it's related to Bitcoin, you know, really started talking professionally when we would catch up as friends um, at the end of our, uh, uh, collegiate careers, you know, at least from a bachelor's degree perspective for me, beginning of a few other degrees Matt got at that point. But uh, Matt grad graduated from, from Notre Dame in 2008, me from the University of Missouri at the same time. And you think about what's going on in the world at that time, that's the first uh, realization of there are, there are certain things the government considers too big to fail. And you had a lot of uh, free market economists, you know, in that administration that participated in, in those bailouts. Again, the money printers, we uh, clearly were working well greased, you know, at that point in time. And Matt and I came together and just said, I don't know when this movie ends, but this does not end well. You know, and uh, we were concerned uh, for our economy, for our nation, uh, for, you know, for our and we're, I think we're proud as, you know, as patriots. What's our standing in the world going to look like? Uh, as a consequence of these decisions. What does this mean uh, for the baby boom generation? We have the biggest wave of people at that time uh, stepping up to the plate to, to retire. Um, I think it's still happening at a clip of about 10,000 a day, but mm -hmm. 2008, 2009, it's about the first time statistically you were seeing that boomer generation retire um, in mass. And advisors were retiring folks on the Markowitz 6040 portfolio, stocks to bonds, 60% to 40%, with the idea that those two things worked uh, in opposite directions of one another to complement risk, uh, you, you know, for, for the fact that you didn't know what would lie ahead, you'd have some concept of diversification. And we believe that the one of the consequences of the decisions uh, of 2008, you know, from the G7 powers, was that uh, you would see those things start to converge closer to one over time. And uh, I, you know, we've definitely been seeing that. We know that uh, uh, the consequences of 08 forced investors out onto the equity curve where they would have preferred to be in fixed income or uh, capital preservation instruments earning some type of, of interest. You know, that clearly was obsolete for 20 years by design. 
And, you know, and then COVID, we just think accelerated the inevitable. Mm-hmm. So the, the inflation, you know, we, we were on record uh, with journalists who told us we were in the minority camp when we were saying, no, this inflation is not transitory, you know, in many aspects of the economy. Um, the reason why, you know, is more fundamental to these decisions than it is to supply chains, although that's not helping. But that, you know, COVID was just an accelerant, we think, to something that, um, again, we didn't know when the movie would end, but we just said, uh, this does not end well. And again, somewhere in there, Matt was continuing to spoon feed me. Yes, we can solve this problem. By the way, you should you should look at Bitcoin a little bit more than you are today, John. So we started by building funds, uh, public market funds. Today, we have a, a collective investment trust for 401k plans. Um, now we have an ETF that trades on New York Stock Exchange. Those those strategies mimic one another. What they're intended to do is to deliver a better risk return profile than their benchmark. Um, and uh, you know we think that we're at least from the data relative to the benchmark, we think we're achieving that goal uh, at this time. But it's a difficult market because the ingredients you're limited to are the public market stock and bond solutions that you can mix into those funds. Um, you know, as we were keeping our eye out for other types of, uh, uh, good risk return opportunities, uh, we came across, um, a lending product that Unchained Capital was, was offering to its clients. Um, and through business development conversations, you know, that led to a partnership and eventually, uh, a fund that we launched called the Build Secured Income One Fund, which is dedicated to buying uh, loans from Unchained, which are over collateralized by on-chain Bitcoin and uh, which use their multi-signature two or three uh, key system to secure that Bitcoin. And, you know, historically, that product, Unchained's product, which has existed since 2017, has issued over half billion dollars in loans, um, has no impairments to those loans, uh, which is an industry term for how much of the principal has been lost uh, due to, to loans going bad, and the, and the current answer is zero. Um, and we think that there's a high likelihood that that will remain unimpaired. And that product is really neat because when you ask people, they people have very different opinions about Bitcoin, especially at this point in time. Um, but regardless of what your opinion about Bitcoin is, whether you've you know early or long into that journey that we were talking about earlier, um, if you understand Bitcoin's fungibility and the security protocols around how this collateral um, is being stored, we really do think that it is an improved source of collateral compared to other types of collateral used in private credit funds. That's what this is, is a, a type of private credit fund. It's a Reg D offering. Uh, that's a fancy industry terminology, which means that it's limited to accredited investors only. So this is not something that everyone can access yet. We hope as that market and industry grows, uh, loan demand grows and loan supply grows, that we'll be able to mainstream the solution. What's really neat about it is we seek a 10 to 12% internal rate of return, and we give customers the opportunity to turn that into monthly income uh, for those who need it. So you think back to what Matt and I were trying to solve uh, through our public market funds. Um, I think we've we've delivered an improved, in our opinion, we've delivered an improved version of what's been previously available in public market funds. But what are what are you trying to solve for? You're trying to solve for the income need that retirees have. Every retiree, you and me eventually will have this need. You're trying to solve for the risk return um, 
complement and balance that they're looking for. You know, is my is my principal at risk? What's the likelihood of me getting return of capital? Number one. Number two, what is the opportunity to get return um, on that capital, right? The interest or the income that you're getting. And is that attractive relative to the other risks that I'd have to take to get that that same yield or same income, you know, through market sources? Um, so we're, we make the case that the answer is yes. Um, you can appreciate, Josh, we have to distill that down to each individual and decide whether they're appropriate to enter the fund or meet the criteria. So it's not a broad, you know, blanket recommendation, mm-hmm. but we really feel like we're helping birth um, a new part of the credit industry. You know, these are bank issued uh, loans and the the Bitcoin stored the way and collateralized the way that it is really is an asset backed security. So that's a whole industry within the bond and credit markets. We feel like this is just a new vertical within the bank issued asset backed security market. Um, the rating agencies haven't looked at it yet. But again, we think that's because we're early to this to this game. And we're excited to help try to grow that opportunity with our partners at Unchained. I have two questions before we wrap up. And the first is, could you just talk about Bitcoin and why it is such a superior asset when it comes to collateral for a loan? In a word, it's fungibility. So if if protected the right way, which is the 203 key system, if over collateralized. So these loans, uh, a little bit more about the structure. These are bank issued, as I said earlier. So uh, you, you get rid of the dark pools of money so that Josh, if Josh wants to come in and get a loan, you have to show up at Lead Bank, which is in Kansas City. You have to go through all the bank, know your customer requirements, identify why you need the loan. But, but then the capital is just in time. At that point in time, once they've identified that you're not on some you know, do not fly, or do not lend list, um, you just have to have the Bitcoin. And if you're willing to post the Bitcoin, which is a 40% loan to value, the easier way for some of your listeners to think about that is two and a half times collateral to loan. So if you showed up and you wanted a $100,000 cash loan after approval, you'd have to put up 250 k worth of Bitcoin. So well over collateralized, which is the opposite of what you typically see in the private credit space. Um, I would just challenge, I haven't ever seen another private credit product that requires that degree of over collateralization. Why do you require that degree of over collateralization is the question. Back to your why, why not prompt from earlier, Josh. Um, And the reason is because Bitcoin price is still volatile and we would expect it to remain volatile, even though we're bullish on where it it sits long term. So to deal with that volatility without having to take away the Bitcoin from the borrower, you don't want to blow up your customer right? That's the same as repossessing the family farm. We Mm -hmm. don't want to do that. So we want to give them ample opportunity to ebb and flow through the market cycles that we're going to have with Bitcoin. Um, And you may have seen, you know, when we're recording this on 1017, uh, just yesterday, there was some fake news put out about uh, the ETF having been approved and you saw a big price spike all of a sudden. So it works on both sides, but the price is going to be volatile uh, for (laughs) fake news and real news. Um, and also just, you know, investor perceptions. But um, uh, there's a margin call process that ensues. It's, it is, I, I feel like, a very fair process. It gives the borrower plenty of time to decide whether they want to pay down the loan or they want to post more Bitcoin. That's really the two choices you get when you enter a margin call. And again, you would enter margin call um, most often when there's a price decrease. 
So what we're worried about is a sharp price decrease. And you've seen some of these, um, right? There's been two fifty percent down movements since the beginning of the loan program by Unchained in 2017. There was a 30% day, the day that FTX blew up. So it can happen quickly, and you've got to make sure that that collateral is there. At 1.1 times, the loan is sold out, right? So there's a secondary market to sell Bitcoin 24-7. This is what Unchained gets paid to do as servicer in the fund program. Um, But at 1.1 times collateral to loan value, uh, all of your opportunities to cure as a borrower, you've been provided many ahead of that, you don't get uh, notices anymore. You're automatically sold out. Mm. And then we settle that, you know, the next business day. But uh, fungibility is the word. So I just explained to you, you know, the mechanics of how the watch works. Let's replace Bitcoin now in this in this example with uh, the more common asset used in private credit to get a similar type return profile. But we think at more risk uh, to the investor, and more, you know, more risk ultimately to the, you know, to the general partner, the fund manager, um, which is real estate. So you look at all of the, you know, let's let's think about most 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 of these projects have a multi-year life cycle to them. Uh, real estate that was once, you know, uh, Class A real estate, and some of your highest flying employment markets like San Francisco or New York um, are sitting at a fifty percent occupancy today. You know, for a couple of reasons, in part, uh, COVID really forced uh, the question of, you know, preferences for working at home versus working in the office. Um, Two, we've seen policies uh, that where people have started to vote with their feet and say, you know, they don't want to be in some of these communities that were once desired, whether that's a safety issue or other issues. Um, And so now you're sitting with with buildings that simply aren't class A anymore. And so they're you know, 50 cents on the dollar in some cases. You've heard of these deals uh, where some of the buildings are being bought up, uh, you know, literally half off of what they were valued at pre-COVID. You have to hire a real estate agent. You have to hire an appraiser. There's attorneys involved, accountants involved. So what's your time preference to exit? And do you feel like you can exit dollar for dollar? Uh, The the, the goal in real estate is always to make make money on that real estate, right, to exit above uh, your cost basis. Mm -hmm. But it's not fungible. Um, and so this concept that these that prices don't go down in real assets, um, it, in your my lifetimes, we've proven that's not true a couple of times, especially in the real estate arena. So, so that's the compare and contrast that we're doing. And that's how we end up with uh, uh, our firm's belief that uh, we think this is a better risk return um, holding than some of the other more common types of collateral and private credit. Mm-hmm. And then final thing, maybe you can just answer this in 60 seconds or so, but I, I'm hoping that you can kind of expand a business owner's minds on the value of holding Bitcoin on your balance sheet, not just as an asset to preserve purchasing power, but as collateral if and when needed. That That's the answer. Um, it, it's collateral. So what's your time preference for access to money? If you even if and I have some really long-standing generational standing relationships with community banks and credit unions who I I use and bank with um, today, and uh, I mean truly have personal relationships with my lender, or the presidents of those entities. I want them all to succeed and for them to be, you know, available and accessible in our community. The problem is, even though they know me, even though we're friends, even though they have, 
you know, my, my financials from a couple of years ago on record. Um, and we always pay back our loans. If I came to them today and said, hey, I've got a great opportunity, personal or business, and I want to pursue it. And even if they walked out of the meeting and said, we think that's a fantastic mm. opportunity and we'd like to bank it and lend against it. The amount of time, the amount of paperwork, the amount of things that I have to collect and bring them in order to have access to that capital is a time suck. And so if that opportunity is time sensitive, um, there's your answer. It, it's the ability to use Bitcoin. And it, remember what I said, lead bank issues the loans, not based on the worthiness of the deal. They don't, it's not that they don't care. They just, they get to be dispassionate about the deal because the collateral is Bitcoin. So if, if you believe in the narrative that Bitcoin will go up and you're willing to meet the margin call requirements of the loan, but your preference is access to capital quickly, that may give you the opportunity to build your enterprise faster than your competition can expand. If you see an opportunity in the market, it may give you the opportunity to buy some of that depressed property we were talking about faster. It may afford you the opportunity. I've talked to one borrower who you know, almost uses that as a bridge loan. They're in the mm -hmm. business of, of remodeling. Um, so they use it as, as a way to get access to capital uh, while they flip a property or improve it to bring to market. But they're not looking to be long-term you know, holders and their capital, uh, their personal financial statement changes. I've already failed the 60-second test, haven't I? Their personal <laughs> financial statement changes with every property they acquire. And so just to go through the hassle of getting that loan, um, yeah, you've got, you're right, you have the appreciation opportunity if you believe in that narrative. But again, what I think is so neat about this product and the way the fund helps provide capital for the lending product um, kind of works in that whole ecosystem of borrower investor uh, is, is the fungibility uh, aspect mm -hmm. uh, in terms of our ability to, to liquidate the Bitcoin and access uh, time preference for the individual who's receiving the funds. And that's really you know, symbiotic relationship. And, you know, diversification isn't going away just because we're talking about Bitcoin. You know, nowhere in here do we say put all of your money into any one thing. Mm -hmm. You know, so having some of it um, may be a prudent exercise for a business owner to consider. And we've talked to some business owners uh, who use this loan product who have, you know, raved about how it's helped them uh, at various points in their business cycle. Perfect. Well, John, thank you so much for your time today, for being generous with it. Uh, as we're finishing up, if you have any additional thoughts you'd like to share with people, please do that, as well as uh, give people an idea of where they can go to keep up with what you guys are doing at Build. And if they have questions that have arisen from what we've talked about today, where they can go to kind of uh, connect with you and uh, have a follow-up conversation. Yeah, so you can find information about the company, our offerings at getbuilding.com, G-E-T, building.com. Um, you'll find us at the same places on LinkedIn. Matt, Build CIO on Twitter, puts out some really thought-provoking and deep stuff, especially on the credit markets and the economy. Um, so he's built up a nice following there. That's my business partner and the chief investment officer at Build. Again, uh, Build CIO on Twitter. Um, and again, we've been more active in putting out some of our own thoughts in different forms of media, written um, interview opportunities like this one. So uh, we'll post or repost those on our LinkedIn page and uh, uh, just enjoy being active in, uh, from an advice perspective, continue to be curious ourselves, kind of where we started in the interview. I think that's a key theme here. You have to ask yourself, you know, why are we even having a conversation about Bitcoin? What's broken with our current system? Why, sh if you're a business owner uh, or involved in a business and you're a listener, 
Um, this is probably a brand new topic. It's not something they taught you at any business school, most likely, uh, Wharton, Harvard, or otherwise. So you're going to have to be a self-learner. And um, again, the uh, the malfeasance from you know the financial industry stepping away from this conversation as opposed to leading it has given the opportunity, I think, for some snake oil to enter. So uh, we're not a believer in all digital assets by any means. We're a Bitcoin first enterprise. And we could talk longer about why that is or why we differentiate Bitcoin. But you're going to have to be curious and you're also going to have to have your alarm, you know, bells up because uh, you're going to have to do some of your own diligence uh, as you go through this process. But uh, again, after 15 years, you know, I like the Mike Tyson quote of everyone has a plan until they get hit in the face. Uh, Bitcoin has taken some pretty serious punches and it continues to uh, you know, evolve and grow and the technology you know, supporting the transactions has performed flawlessly, again, through a completely voluntary, you know, uh, environment. Um, that in and of itself, I think, is pretty interesting and probably deserves curiosity and uh, some personal question and, you know, soul searching for business owners who are thinking about, you know, their uh, their allocation of capital. Absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Looking forward to doing the next one. Well, friends, it's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Business Bitcoinization Show. If you want to reach out to either me or John, you can find those links down in the show notes. Be sure to keep up with what Build Asset Management is doing and get out to Bitcoin Expedition if you can. As always, keep building, keep growing, and until next time, keep living and leading well. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, thank you. If you want to take a further step in your support for the show, you can help us grow by listening on Fountain, a value-for-value podcast app on iOS or Android. If you hear something you like that you disagree with or anything else, you can share it by sending some sats and adding a comment with your thoughts. Some of you have already done this, and I appreciate it. I'm going to begin reading your boosts on upcoming episodes, so if you have some insight or value to add, let the people know. Getting started with Fountain is easy. You can add Bitcoin to your Fountain wallet by using your fiat accounts or any lightning wallet and one of my favorite features is that once you're using the app you can earn sats just by listening on fountain check out the link in the show notes to get started with fountain today